I, you're just not gonna punish her. <laughs> I love the part she's like, I know you guys are like close. I know you like. Kane's like, Kane's like, she's not just my friend. And you're like, sir? She's like, no, uh, she's a former member of the council. You know, she's really respected. Uh, not, I don't, not, what, huh? Not, what? Hello and welcome to Hour the Hundred Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is what is your favorite piece of jewelry slash accessory in regards to Clark's watch? Thanks so much to Sam for thinking of this um, fun fact, because I couldn't think of anything. Hey, you're so very welcome. Thanks, man. Um, Unfortunately, I also don't wear any jewelry or really any accessories. The only thing that I really wear is like the lanyard that I have to wear for work um, with like a bunch of keys on it. So I guess that's my favorite. Um, But I would like to guess what yours is. Would you like to go ahead and guess that before I introduce myself? I really feel like maybe uh, uh, it is very obvious, but I would like to do it anyway. Probably, yes. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. I think think Sam's going to choose her wedding ring, you guys. That is correct. <laughs> and my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 30 year old news editor at Collider. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle aged actresses. And my favorite piece of jewelry is, as Robin correctly guessed, my wedding ring. Thank you so much. I'm just really intuitive, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like I like talk about it all the time and feel super weird when I mm. um, leave right, the right. house without it on. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Well, today we have words to say about episode 203 of The 100, Repercussions. This episode will contain spoilers for all seven seasons of The 100. And the title is in reference to Reapers, which almost every single storyline is slightly about, yep. if not extremely about. Um, and also the word repercussions, um, which Abby is getting. So technically, even though that's the like one storyline not about Reapers, kind of. Well, maybe not the Bellamy storyline, but that's like the one storyline that's not about Reapers. And But they are about repercussions. I like how the last two episodes have been like, kooky puns yeah i do have to say i don't really care for this episode interesting i'm like not really in i'm like not really interested in almost everything that's happening to be honest so i'll allow it um it's honestly one of my favorite ish episodes from like the zeitgeist of the show Mm -hmm. just because obviously the ship content is yes chef's kiss Good stuff. It's just like, I don't care about Reapers and I think they're creepy, you know? So it's like, all we're doing is talking about Reapers. <laughs> exactly. That's honestly, that's so fair. Um, I usually don't watch the other parts of this episode when I rewatch it. <laughs> so fair. And that's so fair. Great. <laughs> just a little quick announcement about what's going to be happening for the rest of season two here, you guys. As I'll say at the end of this episode, um, the next episode, so 204 is going to come out sometime mid to late January. I don't have a specific time for you. And I just wanted to also let you guys know that once Riverdale comes back on, um, this podcast is unfortunately going to be going on a hiatus until Riverdale is over. Um, It's the last season of Riverdale, um, and also it's the first time where I've had to do Riverdale and other things at the same time while having a full-time job, and it's just not possible for me to be doing all this and producing all of this and doing all the notes and doing all the recording and stuff. This as well as also Riverdale, which is a weekly show, so I just wanted to let you guys know it's not going to be a problem for like months, but just a heads up that this show is going to be going on hiatus until Riverdale is over once Riverdale starts back up. Cool. Really quickly, um, before we get started, I <laughs> thought of a thoughts from listeners. It's just from me. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> I was listening to last episode and I was talking about how Jasper says top of the morning to Maya and how that was such a stupid thing to say. Uh-huh. Um, and I just wanted to say that um, <laughs> I listened to it back and I was like, what an absolutely harsh thing to say to Irish people. So if you're if you're an Irish person, what I meant was that it's not a stupid thing to say in general, if that's like a thing that you say, but it was a stupid <laughs> thing for Jasper to say um, because he's not Irish and would never say that. And he also thought it was stupid. So just a clarification there. Thanks so much. It's also, I would also like to um, pose that it's stupid thing for Jasper to say because neither he nor Maya have seen a sunrise. Right. Fair, fair. Like they, they don't have a morning. It's mm-hmm. just right. They woke up, you know? 
Correct. Correct. <laughs> I do realize that Jasper has at this point seen a sunrise because he lived on the ground for a month, but uh-huh. it's not, a, it, it's, how is that in his zeitgeist? Anyway. Right. Fair. Fair. <laughs> So these storylines in this episode are many. In fact, they're most of them are so short that I had no idea in what order to even talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I think we end. I don't know if you have an opinion, but I think we end with Camp Jaha and you can do whatever else with the rest. That's what I had. So first of all, going into Octavia, which I handled. Hell yeah. All right. So um, Indra is explaining to the other people in Tree Crew, uh, you know, Intragetta slang. Um, basically don't fall or you'll get left behind and we're going to try and stop the raiding party before they get to the tunnels um, because bad stuff happens in the tunnels. Um, Octavia has followed them and they're... She's- the way you said that... Sorry, the way you said that immediately made me think of the Bob's Burgers song, um, Bad Things Happen in the Bathroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's funny. So there you go. Bad stuff ha- Bad things happen in the tunnels. <laughs> exactly. Um, Octavia has followed them. Things happen in the bathroom. <laughs> Octavia has followed and she immediately is like, you guys are going after the Reapers. Well, Lincoln taught me to fight so I can actually totally help you. Um, and Indra basically is like, kill her. And I just wanted to say, wow, the growth of how much Indra ends up loving Octavia. <laughs> and then Octavia runs away and like pretty successfully hides. Um, we had said, actually, sorry, I had said. I mean, it is, it is her number one skill (laughs) right true i had said last episode that this that was like the first time we had heard about reapers or whatever very clearly not both octavia and clark like have working knowledge of what reapers are i just have no memory of them learning that before i'm like is there a point season two is there a point where lincoln tells them about it maybe i don't know either way i do apologize there has to be a point where lincoln says something because otherwise how did that happen yeah sorry um i was wrong last episode but i don't rewatch these before <laughs> i talk about them so that's life so later um octavia finds the tree crew people again and pen whoever that guy is just some other tree crew guy basically says that they should be able to head him off if they take this if they took the southern pass and indra has already clocked that octavia is there Mm -hmm. Um, That's a small little scene. That's basically it. Yeah. We see Tree Crew outside the Reaper Tunnel and that pen guy once again is like, what the heck? Tomac is hurt and Artigas is fully a kid. Um, Artigas is super into it. He's like, they stole my father. I will avenge him. (laughs) Like, you know, etc. Prepare to die. And Indra already has a plan. She says, we'll strike when they go for the bait. And Artigas is like, I'm the bait. And she's like, haha, no, Octavia's the bait. And Octavia's like, okay, fine. I've been following you, which Indra already knew. Octavia's like, I'm just happy to help. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, but I'm not scared and indra is like (laughs) yet which is so iconic i love indra Mm -hmm. just moving on because there's not that much to say about it uh octavia baits the reapers and the grounders shoot them artagas saves octavia and indra and octavia save each other um octavia looks for lincoln in the grounders with the bags on their head and she's like is link was lincoln with you and nyko says no so this also answers our question last episode about um like did the reapers also take nyko the reason why we had no memory of him being there was because he was saved in this episode like immediately mm. so that's what happened and so yeah octavia or nyko is like no he wasn't here and nyko looks so so sad and i i love nyko yeah so there's reunions for the grounders and Artigas gets to see his father again, but Octavia doesn't get a reunion and she does like that pretty iconic like scream that she yeah. does to the heavens. She's really good at that. Yeah. Marie has always been very talented. Exactly. So Nyko comes up to her later and she's like, okay, well, go ahead and kill me, I guess. I did keep you a hostage and threatened to kill you. So I guess it's your turn to kill me. And he's like, no, we're going to let you live because you proved yourself. And then he says, Lincoln was a good man. He was my brother. Of course, talking like he's gone, he's dead and gone at this point. Yeah. Um, and which, which is like, we, we obviously know it's not true. Um, because we also see him in this episode. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Actually in this next scene. <laughs> so we see a, these reapers are getting injected with that red drug um, as a reward and they grab all the other grounders and they're harvesting most of them. So AKA putting them into the like cages to be bled. Yeah. Ugh. But Lincoln goes to the Cerberus program, which I think just turns him into a reaper. I, if I remember properly. I think it's the same sort of pro like the same thing it's just again grounders have a different name for what it is than than the mountain mother people have a name for what Mm -hmm. it is what for what they're doing i guess because yeah they use the same sound tool Mm -hmm. on him 
I wonder, I've always wondered about the choice of name for this program. Mm-hmm. Like Cerberus is obviously the three-headed dog in Greek mythology. And so I always wondered if there was like something to do with three that makes sense, you know? Like I just wondered what, why the um, writers chose Cerberus for this. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I'm pretty sure that, um, don't we, don't we hear about it later from like him or Bellamy and they're like, let me check. Cause he, cause isn't Cerberus the guardian of the underworld? Yes. Yeah. So like it's, so that's what it's about. Yeah. And it's, it's underneath Mount Weather and they're the God, like guard dog basically. And it's also kind of, it's demeaning obviously because right, they're dogs. They're turning humans into guard dogs. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just on the uh, I'm on the hundred wikia page for the Cerberus project, just seeing if yeah, it says ahead. anything about that. Oh, I see. It says in Greek mythology, Cerberus was the three headed guard dog to the underworld, making sure the dead don't escape and the living don't go to the underworld. Oh well, that's exactly yeah. the meaning of what they do. So that makes sense. Yeah, I feel I feel good about um <laughs> I feel good about uh the also like the uh, points that we got to at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Also, of course, Mount Weather would like make it very, it's a pretentious name. You know what I mean? Because it's like rooted yeah, in for sure. mythology. Uh, yeah, they clearly were just like, ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this fancy name for this horrid thing we're doing. So it's fine. All right, that's that little scene. Since there are so many storylines, the storylines are extremely short. Exactly. <laughs> so next we're going to talk about Bellamy, aka, but like, and also like sort of the Finn storyline, I would say. So we have Bellamy, Murphy, Sterling, Monroe, and Finn. Mm-hmm. Bellamy asking Murphy for directions. And Murphy's like, I'll tell you if you take off my handcuffs. And they're like, uh, no. So <laughs> he's like, okay, but if if we get attacked, I can't defend myself. And Bellamy's like, oh, for sure. Yeah. And like, I, but I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that just means nothing to me. Bellamy's like, and? <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that I just don't care. And so Finn goes and he frees Murphy. Um, and Bellamy's like, what the heck? Finn's like, well, you wanted to, you're the one who wanted to bring him. And Bellamy's like, yeah, because he knows where the camp is. And he's like, then it's probably not a good idea to have him like die because he can't help himself because mm-hmm. we kind of need him. So then Murphy asks for the gun and Bellamy just like shoves him. And I'm like, playfully, question mark? <laughs> not really. Not really. In your dreams. Yes, correct. So Murphy leads them to the camp. He found it. Um, Bellamy can't see anything but grounders. So clearly their friends aren't here. Finn takes Sterling's gun to look through it. Um, like look through the um, like the scope of it, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What the heck? They have stuff from the dropship, so they must know where they are." And Murphy's like, "Yeah, or they're all dead." So Finn sees something around one of their necks. It's the guy with the one eye, and he has Clark's dad's watch. And Bellamy's like, "Ooh, she would have fought for that." And Finn's like, "So true." And I'm gonna go get it back. Uh, Finn really said, "I'm leaving my girlfriend to go be really intense about my <laughs> other girlfriend." He's insane. Um, like really intense. Yeah. He's insane. Um, This is like- it's like a lot. This is like the episode where you're like, oh, you're crazy, Bro? crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Bellamy and Finn are going to go in and Sterling and Monroe are going to stay here. And, you know, if, if it goes bad, like shoot the other grounders, but not the one with the watch. And they're like, okay, well, the only other person that you didn't give a thing to is Murphy. So Murphy's like, yeah, can I have a gun now? And Bellamy's <laughs> like, for sure. So he gives him like the little rocks to bait the grounder. Iconic. Um, I love it. Yeah. So they knock out the grounder and they take him somewhere and Finn's like, I know a place. And it's it's kind of um sick that he takes them to the cheating bunker and then Right. And then this is where he commits a heinous murder. Um after having committed adultery there. Yeah. This is his crime bunker. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. You get it. This is where he commits all his crimes. Ugh. So they're at the little art supply bunker thing or whatever, interrogating the guy. <laughs> and Bellamy's like, we're going to keep asking you, where did you get this? And apparently Delano, not uh-huh. Adore Delano, I assume. <laughs> not to be confused with Adore. Uh, found it outside your camp. And Finn's like, she wouldn't take it off herself. Where is the girl who was wearing this watch? Which honestly is like almost as iconic as, and you have something I want. Um, honestly, probably because it's yeah. like in the previously so often, I think. Yeah. I, I think if I remember correctly, but I constantly like, I remember once again, also the cadence of him saying that. Oh, yeah. Where is it going? Where is this watch? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's absolutely, it's, that's up there. I don't like it as much because he's insane and I um, think that Octavia is valid. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So the grounder's like, I literally don't know. (laughs) Like, please. I, and I'm inclined to believe this guy. 
Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't know where like, she is. Yeah, he has no idea. He's like, uh, you know what? He's kind of like Sawyer in the first episode of Lost, where he's like, I found this too. Thought it was cool, and I just took it. Yeah, Clark was taken by Mount Weather, which these guys avoid at all costs. Mm-hmm. And like, he doesn't exactly seem like a warrior anymore. Like the guy yeah. is missing an eye. Yeah. Not to say that blind people can't like fight and stuff. That's just yeah. It's just yeah. He you know he just seems like a guy. You know. Yeah. He's just a dude. Yeah. And so it's I I just fully believe him, and it makes sense that Mount Weather would have like stripped them of anything identifying where they were when they mm. took them. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Because like, why would they bring them with their clothes? Like, mm-hmm. that's just so much more potential for a trail. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So Murphy's like, maybe we should stop asking nicely. And Bellamy's like, I don't want to do that. Um, but <laughs> Finn is losing patience. And Bellamy's like, Finn, no. And he brings up, like, some lines you can't uncross, which is a really good point. But unfortunately for Bellamy, this is the beginning of wacko Finn. And so um, Finn is not interested in listening to that. <laughs> so he starts beating up the guy. Bellamy's trying to get him to stop. Finn aims the gun at Bellamy. Bellamy? Yikes. Before he aims the gun at the grounder? Dude, like, chill. So the guy's like, okay, fine, like, they're east of here, and he's, like, he's fully lying to save his own ass, because he's like, if I don't say something, I'm gonna be murdered, so I'll just say something. And, like, honestly, honestly, completely valid. Yeah, so fair. He says they're in the village where we take our prisoners. Unfortunately, what this guy doesn't know is that he's dooming that entire village to die because Finn's gonna go and shoot it up. Oh, God. Honestly, kind of glad he never has to find that out. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So then the dude offers to draw a map and he's like, go fast or they might kill them, aka get away from me, (laughs) please. Please, please leave. Um, so Monroe gives him a piece of paper um, because they're in the art supply store, obviously. And um, Murphy's like, oh, hey, look, I'm not the craziest one here anymore. Ah, <laughs> cute. Isn't that neat? Adorable. So lastly, in this storyline, Bellamy's looking at the map that he drew and he's like, all right, let's go. Um, Sterling asks about the grounder and Bellamy just wants to leave him here and like come back later for him. Um, Murphy points out that if he escapes, he's going to know where we're going, but Bellamy doesn't want to kill him. Yeah. And that's that's just interesting from someone who kills 300 grounders just three months from now. Mm-hmm. But alrighty then. And that's, I think- Well, it's just, it just, mm-hmm. that just also goes to show how powerful um, Mike Beach, what is his character's name? Pike. Pike is as a, um, like an influence over him. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and, and honestly, like at this point, both Murphy and Bellamy have good points. And they mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like the two of them together would have come to a solution of like, successfully securing him Mm -hmm. but they don't get that choice yeah oh well oopsie so murphy knows that this is all gonna blow back in their faces if they don't kill the guy and murphy's like he's gonna tell his people everything about us that he that he's learned bellamy still says no end of discussion and murphy's like why are you acting like you've never killed a grounder before bellamy makes a pretty okay point which is that that was in like battle that was like during a war like this is straight up an execution yeah and finn's like i don't care kills the grounder yup and i'm like huh does anybody else feel like finn's kind of different now <laughs> like i his life is the trajectory of his life has uh, forever changed thank you yeah Right. Well, that's the Bellamy storyline. Like I said, you guys, when they have this many storylines, they all go by pretty pretty quickly. And it's kind of hard because you can't really like super get into the nitty gritty of them either because there's not like because it's so short. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, because it's all just like transitional like stuff a lot of uh, in a lot of these scenes. It's like, how do we get character A to from point A to point B, you know what I mean? Yes, because this Mount Weather storyline that we're about to go into has three scenes in it. Yeah, I've, straight up, you know. <laughs> so I feel like I, I'm valid for skipping the rest of this episode because all of yeah. the stuff that happens in it is in the Canaan Abbey scene. Sam, you absolutely are valid, a hundred percent. Right, and like the thing is, like the Clark storyline, she's just running around downstairs and then jumps off something, like, and that's kind of it, <laughs> you know? It's literally she just okay. They're they're running in this direction. And now they're running running in a different direction. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, she's captured. Oh, but now she's not captured anymore. And now she's jumped off a cliff. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. So, Mount Weather here. Maya takes Jasper to see all of the art. And, you know, he doesn't really understand the concept of a surprise. And Jasper says he doesn't like them. But she says that he'll like this one. And he looks at all the art. And honestly, dude, this is a huge warehouse. Oh, it's massive. This is 
so much art. And that's why it's like so painful when it all blows up next season. Yep. Um, so she shows her favorite and she says, listen, Dante Wallace likes the pretty stuff and that's why he hangs all the pretty stuff. But I like this weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> Honestly, I respect it. At least she's, you know, like diversified her interests. She owns it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the painting is William Blake's The Lover's Whirlwind, which illustrates the second level of hell from Dante's Inferno, which I am absolutely certain that they named that character Dante as an homage to Dante's Inferno. And that's made quite clear. Oh, for sure. Because don't they have, isn't the, there's a piece of art in the finale of this season, Mm -hmm. I think, that has to do with him as well, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Like I'm the pretty one sure there's like multiple, yeah. Where they're like eating the children or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I didn't realize that this one was also connected to Dante's Inverno. Um, yeah. So yeah, good point. Yeah. So she's like, isn't it beautiful? And he's like, uh-huh, but he don't mean the <laughs> painting. <laughs> it's the most cliche thing ever and it works because it's adorable. Yeah. I'm just like, man, why can't my relationships move this fast, you know? <laughs> But okay, so they almost kiss, but then the guards interrupt and they run away and they're like, did we lose them? And she's like, they weren't chasing us. (laughs) We were just running away. So Monty finds them and he's like, where's Clark? Um, Jasper says to Maya that he'll meet her for breakfast. Um, Monty is, you know, worried, has a bad feeling. And Jasper's like, dude, I love talking about Clark just as much as the next person. Um, But literally like any other time, man, any other time than right now. So he's like, but what if she's in trouble? And he's like, she can handle it. It's fine. And then it's like a good transition to Clark, like absolutely having the worst possible time ever. Isn't, doesn't he also also say it's Clark when isn't she in trouble or something? At some point, I think, yeah. Like in a, didn't we just watch that? Like, I think it was in one of the first couple episodes, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So later, Monty's eating in the mess hall and Claire de Lune is playing in the background. And I'm like, hey, this is Twilight's song. <laughs> I'm sure like Debussy or whoever like wrote that or whatever didn't mean for it to be Twilight's song, but it is now. Oh, it fully is. And it's only for Twilight. Yeah. Debussy, is that who wrote it? I think so. <laughs> Did I even pronounce that right? Who knows? If it is, I have no idea how to pronounce it and would have fully said Debussy. So. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just like, how does Edward Cullen say it in the (laughs) movie? Anyway, so um, Monty is like disappointed to see Jasper because he was hoping for it to be Clark. So no one still hasn't seen her. She wasn't in her bed last night. So Jasper says that Maya might be able to look around and get some information. And Monty's like, okay, but like Clark doesn't trust them. So why should we? Mm -hmm. And Jasper's like, we can trust Maya because we almost kissed. We can trust Maya because she's pretty. (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty. And I hope that we can trust her or else she's fully manipulating me to get me to do stuff and it is working jasper's like hot people can't lie yeah it's not possible so he's like also like literally what else can we do (laughs) later uh jaunty is still sitting in the mess hall maya shows up and she tells them that clark had like a breakdown pulled out all of her stitches and was trying to hurt herself so i guess our whole uh speculation about what mount weather even thought about this self-harm behavior that she was doing is sort of validated in this scene yeah she says that she's being monitored in the psych ward and her friend who works there says it'll probably be a couple days before anyone can see her and monty says i will be going against that (laughs) um and he leaves jasper feels bad because he called clark crazy last time he saw her and then maya just sort of like comforts him that's it but there was a thing on imdb that i found Uh um that was sort of like a little fun fact it said the painting that can be seen briefly when jasper and monty talk to maya is the right panel of The Garden of Earthly Delights by painter Hieronymus Bosch. Mm -hmm. The entire work is often interpreted as depicting the consequences of a too pleasurable and carefree lifestyle with the right panel illustrating hell. Indeed, in the center of the painting, a bird-faced creature is devouring humans and defecating them into a hole in the ground. Oh my god. In all, the presence of the painting could serve as a clever allusion to Clark's recent discoveries at Mount Weather. This feels like too smart for this show, but I respect it if they if that was an actual like choice that they made. Honestly, I feel like it had to have been because that does make so much sense. Yeah, and they do do a lot with the paintings this season, well, that's we, for sure. We're still in the seasons where they haven't gone completely off the rails with like Yeah. This is this makes sense because it's tree people, you know? Yeah, we're still in sure. this makes sense because I intentionally am writing a good show. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
so before we get into the last two storylines, I'm going to really quickly talk to you guys about Patreon. Um, it's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. And there are quite a few tiers of things that you can get. It is a monthly donation. $1 a month gets you early access to every single podcast. Um, this one comes out a whole week in advance. Um, $2 is our Discord server. $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses that we offer that are always in the description. And uh, the $10 level gets you access to our... Uh, uh, patreon only podcast which is about 45 minutes long every two weeks um and we talk about whatever we like and it seems like people really enjoy it um also if you become a patron by the end of 2022 i will send you a cheeky little postcard um for our six-year anniversary um so i recommend checking those out if you can't help us out on patreon just um check out those small businesses that are in the description um or just recommend us to a friend that would be really great and we'd really appreciate it hey thanks <laughs> Hey, thanks. And um, <laughs> Sam covered the last two storylines. I sure did. Okay. So uh, in the third circle of hell or whichever one we're on right now, <laughs> yeah. uh, Clark finds Anya in the cages uh, that the grounders are being kept in in Mount Weather. And she finally gets the lock on her cage undone when Dr. Singh comes back in and they have to hide in the cage. She leaves without noticing, however, and Clark and Anya make their grand escape. And they end up in a body shoot where the drained grounders are dumped when they die or run out of blood. Yeah. So it's it's funny because she like grabs something to like use as a crowbar to get her out of that cage. And I'm like, oh, that thing seemed important. <laughs> but whatever i hope that wasn't like you know a big deal <laughs> i think it was funny that when like clark was like quick get out of the cage and then dr Singh comes in and she's like no no no, no guys get back just, in just and <laughs> i was like is this an only one bed situation with both of those in both of them in that that cage spoilers for later in this podcast but like yeah <laughs> <laughs> right i also thought it was so funny that Dr. Singh, like, they're all, like, creepily sort of, like, reaching towards her. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Singh is like, mm, this is too creepy. I gotta go, and I will not think about the consequences of my actions. Toodaloo! I also wonder, like, if Bye. they reach in there every time, or if, mm. like, the surrounding grounders saw what happened with uh, Clark and Anya, and they're trying to make a distraction. Right. I honestly think that both things can be true. Nice. I think they could be, like what's it called just like embellishing even more than they usually would yeah <laughs> oh ah. my blood and so why was dr singh in there she was just like grabbing some medical thing i think right i think she was like checking her notes or whatever on like the vitals yeah. of what they have and like mm. how many more they need to harvest or whatever because she's also the one that like gets them out whether situation right. with the with the reapers later all right okay clearly it's not that important <laughs> the only other thing that i had still of what you have said so far is just like they get put on that giant pile of bodies and i'm just mm -hmm. like no thank you they like fall into it and it's like Oop. no thank you no gotta go horrible yeah so then they're they they fall down the chute and then clark hears the reapers coming and the two of them have to like hide again but then they get more bodies dumped on top of them oh my gosh and then they get wheeled away in the cart um and they have to play dead yeah i i'm just like I, and here's where i put my notes about this but like clark knows about the reapers like i'm i was clearly wrong last episode that that was the first time we heard about them it just really feels like a season two thing like i just have no recollection of them talking about the reapers before now so but i, think, I mean it's been years since i watched season one so that's that's not saying a lot i think because they play such a significant role in season two and we had not Ooh. actually seen them in season one it makes complete right. sense to me why we would forget when they were first brought up because we don't That's ever fair. see them when they're first brought up. Mm -hmm. so. I think it's so crazy how much Anya like wants to fight and is like, she's clearly so like malnourished and like weak. <laughs> and she's like, guess I'll pick up this sword to fight. The and Clark's like, um, please stop. <laughs> I, I don't think so. So Clark and Anya reach their destination and the Reapers start taking one of the bodies from the bin and um, they just start eating it. So first shot of cannibalism. Yeah, they're getting like, yeah, they're getting like cut up and eaten alive, I guess. Yeah. Ugh, ugh, horrible. It's crazy that this storyline comes back um, because cannibalism. Yeah, no kidding. I, um, I think it's so, I don't want to say interesting, I guess abhorrent <laughs> that <laughs> the, the, Mount Weather people see the grounders as such non-beings 
Mm-hmm. that like they must know that that's what's happening and they don't care that like they're not forcing but like that they're turning people towards cannibalism yeah towards like their own potentially family and friends and they just like they don't care i think they fully don't care because it's also wrapped up in the fact that they don't see them as people they see them as a supply yeah right like they're already a product to them instead of yeah. having any personhood or agency that matters and um yeah yeah uh so next Anya snaps snaps the neck of the guy that is in the bin with them still who is like still breathing mm-hmm. um and honestly it's a mercy because who wants to get eaten alive um no one 100% <laughs> so they make a break towards the light and then the next scene they're still running and Anya's like why what are they doing to us and Clark's like they drain for their blood it's insane and Anya wants to go a different way but Clark's like we should not split up and then she starts explaining like a a crazy person like she doesn't think that Anya will just dip um and then Anya dips <laughs> yeah she's like anyway it's actually kind of funny <laughs> that Clark's like yeah. anyway we should work together oh what where'd you go oh, oh golly and then she's just <laughs> straight up gone yeah it um it was brought up on uh, the wiki. It said that this is the second time someone committed a mercy kill in the show. Um, the first episode uh, was Earth Kills when Clark Mercy killed Adam. Mm-hmm. And both kills happened in the third episode of the season. And Clark was present in both occasions. Huh. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, I think the, a lot of the kills in Clark's um, kill count are mercy kills. Yeah, that's fair. So sort of indicative of that, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... So Anya ditches her and Clark is then cornered by Mount Reaper, Mount Reapers, by Reapers <laughs> when a Mount Weatherman uh, disables them all with a noisemaker and says that he's here to take her with him. Okay, I'm sorry, but noisemaker makes <laughs> makes it seem like they're like at a party. Well, what is it? Like that, no, I know. But like the <laughs> word noisemaker is like the little like, um, a little like kazoo thing that curls up and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know what I would call it, but. You're right. <laughs> uh, it's a small handheld device that makes a large beeping sound. It's horrible. My dog does not like it. Yeah. Um, and so he takes her away and the guard says that um, he's putting Clark in the harvest chamber. Like she's not getting to go back out with her people. Yeah. Which is like. She's like, I know everything now. And they're like, yeah, that's why you're going to be in the cages, bud. And honestly, this makes me think that like. Anya's eventual, not Anya, Singh's eventual plan to just straight up. Sorry. Her plan has to hinge on the fact that she will eventually just tell her friends that Clark killed herself. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because if she's going to just kill Clark, the the eventual thing is that she must like die in the psych ward. Like what else mm-hmm. is your plan? Yeah. because And I mean, the things that mm, the Mount Weather people are clearly being told about and not uh, incorrectly, like Clark did rip out her stitches and yeah. hurt herself, you know? But I think that what they're telling them is... Like, it makes sense, Mm -hmm. and it leads up to that being able to be true and believable. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also wanted to say that I like how the guards are like, the outsider cannot leave because it's, like, nice to hear them continuing to use the outsider, Mm -hmm. not grounder. Yeah, and then so as he's, like, saying that he's going to put her in the harvest chamber, uh, Anya pops up, like, out of nowhere and saves Clark. Honestly, bro move. Yeah. For now. Uh, and the two of them book it towards an exit that Anya found. But when you get there, it's like, oh, this is a giant dam. Um, <laughs> Anya says, this is the only way out. And Clark is like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Anya is like, well, I'm leaving. So goodbye. And just jumps. And Clark has to like choose between jumping and uh, facing a whole fleet of armed guards. And so she puts her weapon down and fakes them out before running and jumping too. Yeah. The guards like assume that they're like killing themselves. Yeah. Rather than like be in those cages, which is like fair. Mm -hmm. But also like it's clear that they're like, well, they're going to die either way, but it'd be nice if they died after having given us something really important. So can you please come with us? (laughs) Exactly. And then speaking of the dam as well, which I had mentioned a couple episodes ago is uh, named after one of the people of the crew. Um, And so it finally, it said on the wiki about that. Um, It's named after James Philpot, who is the show's production designer. So that's who it's named after. Nice. That's really cute. So later, Clark wakes up downriver with Anya, and now Clark is the prisoner. She knocks Clark out. Clark is like, great, we should team up. 
This is, we are just such good friends. We have no beef whatsoever. <laughs> so happy that we are now allies. <laughs> and then Anya's like, are you freaking joking? I have to go back to my people and I'm not taking them. I'm not showing up in empty handed. You're coming with me. You're my hostage now. LOL. Yeah. We are not doing that. <laughs> Clark is literally <laughs> just like, well, now that we're friends, let's go and do this. Like, I think it's so exactly. funny how she hits her in the head with the, with that rock. Like, it's so violent. It's, so, <laughs> it's honestly a little bit funny that she's just like, okay, well, now that we're all... Oh! it's good um and yeah that's the end of that storyline all right let's talk about angst sam let's do it robin oh boy guys this episode is turning out to be shorter than usual but that's because there's not much to say (laughs) i have i have some thoughts about what's coming up but you know wonderful looking forward (laughs) to hearing about it all right so Kane confronts Abby about letting the prisoners go and giving them weapons. He says, dude, you can't just let me, you can't just expect me to let you break the law. I have like a job now. <laughs> and she uh, gets him back really good by saying he wasn't even elected and he only got the job because Jaha stayed behind before he could uh, redeem himself. Hey, that's a damn good line. <laughs> it, it really is. That's good stuff. A lot of, I feel like a lot of the lines in this particular conversation because they're honestly having a solo conversation the entire episode despite being mm-hmm. around other people yeah for sure and um i think it's so funny that he's just like abby like i'm the chancellor like how do i give you special treatment because i have a crush on you without letting everybody know <laughs> like stop doing that he's very that vibe and then like abby is like just very bravado but i also uh-huh. think it's very interesting that the way that she chooses to like cut him down a peg is mm-hmm. by saying he wasn't elected the chancellor and he only got it because Thelonious beat him to redemption. But the only reason that Thelonious beat him to redemption is because Abby wouldn't let him leave. Right. So like they're, they're both <laughs> right. like, I'm hiding my real feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yes. I, I just thought it was interesting that that like that was the choice that they made when she's Mm -hmm. also responsible for him becoming chancellor, basically. Later, Kane tells Byrne that Abby has confessed to the crime uh, and she's to be confined to quarters when she's not working. And Byrne is like, I, you're just not going to punish her. (laughs) I love the part. She's like, I know you guys are like close. I know you're like, and Kane's like, Kane's like, she's not just my friend. And you're like, sir. She's like, no, uh, she's a former member of the council. That's it. No, she's really respected. Oh, no, I don't know. What? I, what? I thought that it was funny that this um, moment in my brain is the exact same energy as Leave Him at Home from Riverdale. Yeah, that's good stuff. Like, it's not, it doesn't happen. (laughs) Sam, if someone hasn't seen Riverdale, can you talk about that little tidbit? Okay, so in Riverdale, there is a moment (laughs) that broke Robin and I uh, as people and- Changed my life, you guys. And shippers, and- um, So these two parents of Betty and Archie, not Betty and Archie, of Betty and Jughead (laughs) are, um, they have a history that has been established in the show so far. And they're having an argument about going to a specific dinner at a place. And in, in this moment, she says that, oh my God, she says that her husband would not want to come to the thing that they have to go to. And he says, then leave him at home. (gasps) Oh my god! <laughs> and so when, a bit of a slip. Uh, it's it's a very intense moment where you're like, oh, that's an interesting pause. The way you guys, the first time that I watched that episode in like twenty, I don't even remember seventeen or something. No, maybe twenty eighteen. Either way, something like that. Yeah, I watched that and my jaw dropped, <laughs> and I've never been the same. <laughs> Since that very day. Honestly, iconic. Anyway, you're right. (laughs) Um, And so so, like watching this, (laughs) and so like watching this because it's, it's also on the CW and there's like a lot of similar like Mm -hmm. uh, relationship dynamics at play. Just rewatching it back. I was like, that's exactly the same vibe and energy as what this is. Mm -hmm. She's like, I know she's your friend. She's not just my friend. Extended pause that is filled with. I mean, yeah <laughs> with promise filled with subtext um i mean you know here are all the other things that she is that are not just my friend in fact we're not even friends major burn can you go away <laughs> and it's it's very much that uh and and then he's he's like she's actually just like super respected 
And Kane just insists that he doesn't want to be forceful and uncompromising on the ground because they have a chance to be different. Burn is like, hey, so you actually need to like establish control before you can get to that imaginary fairy tale future where you don't have to be an asshole. <laughs> and almost immediately a commotion breaks out at the gate when a guard is hauling back a grounder prisoner and a civilian is shot reaching for a gun because he just doesn't respect authority, I guess. And I'm like, I get it. Um, and then yeah. Burn is, like, is like, okay, Kane. Uh-huh. Eyeball emoji. And then uh, she's like, see, I told you so. And Abby mm-hmm. is like, um, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uncomfy. Gotta go. Yeah. And so later the civilian dies in sickbay and Byrne comes back to take Abby to her punishment. And um, it's like super weird. And Abby's like, hey, um, what are you doing? And Kane <laughs> is like explaining to her. And they're having this very intimate two-person conversation in front of everyone. And I just find right. that interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's so funny that they're like, okay, Jackson, can you go like find if he has any more family? LOL, other than the son that apparently got stolen. I don't know. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I love that Jackson tries to. Uh, like, who is his son even? Right. Like, who knows? Guess we'll never know. Was like, did he, was he one of the hundred? Like, what? I don't know. I mean, he has to. But, oh, well, maybe I, not. I, I assumed. Yeah, I don't even know. That he would be one of the hundred, but like there are other ships that went down if he's true delusional enough to- He could be in farm station. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I also like that Jackson tries to defend Abby, but Abby's like, it's okay. We love Jackson. Though I will also say it has to, it probably has to be one of the hundred because why would they separate a family? That's fair. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Because right. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Period. You're right. (laughs) <laughs> um, I did also just want to say really quickly that I used um, Jackson in this shock lashing scene as like uh-huh. my reference photo for my Jackson embroidery that I made. And so I thought, <laughs> and I was like, hey, wait a second. I like, stared at that for a while. I know that guy. Mm-hmm. That is a good shot. I know exactly which shot you're talking about. Yeah. So then Byrne is like explaining why Abby should be punished and what exactly is going to happen to her. And she's doing it very loudly. Like, this is a display for everyone. Look at me, everyone. No one is safe. The person you all love no is one... in trouble. <laughs> That's exactly... Yeah, it's uh, it's presented with an air of villainy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she's been... Sorry you're going to lose your arm later, Major Burn. <laughs> sorry you're going to lose your life later, Major Burn. R.I.P. To like a giant gorilla? Question mark? Yeah. That yeah. sounds horrifying. <laughs> Uh, not that everybody on this, <laughs> not that anybody but Monty and Harper die from anything that's chill. Not even Harper, just Monty. Yeah. Oh, man. It really is like that, huh? Uh-huh. It really is like that, Sam. <laughs> I just- You're right about that. I just, none of them got good deaths. No. Oh. Uh, okay. So, Kane has to command each lash, uh, like, shock lash, um, even though Burn is the one that, like- doing the shock lashing mm-hmm. abby stays standing as long as she can and keeps staring down kane basically the entire time and it's just a lot of eye contact for platonic friends uh, and respected colleagues yeah my last <laughs> note about this scene was just tell me about the angst sam like i want to hear about it <laughs> i read so many fanfics about this scene uh-huh. and they were all amazing and like they were all varied with like levels of groveling and you know and like Mm-hmm. The, just, and it's in front of everybody. Yeah. And just like the 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 tension of the way that they are having this conversation in front of everybody, but it's also like they're not having a conversation out loud. They're having a conversation through eye contact. And you can tell yeah. that he genuinely feels remorse for what he's doing because of the way that like... This was some pretty good acting from Ian and from Paige, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, you could just tell each lash makes him feel worse for having to do it. And each one makes her feel more determined that she did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just such conflicting sort of like mental states, I guess. And then they do get to the uh, conclusion that they should have just found in the first place. Um, <laughs> which is Abby Chancellor. Yeah, which is Abby Chancellor and Kane leading the mission because all of the guards are inept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they have a lot of eye contact. Later, Kane and Byrne are questioning a grounder prisoner, and, the grounder prisoner, and she- Which is just like the Bellamy storyline, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. There's a parallel there. And she pulls a gun on him and Kane is like, for $5, please calm the f*** down. 
Yeah, there's there's an absolutely major burn as Finn, Kane as Bellamy air. Very um, much. In this scene. So he sends her out of the room and says, there's got to be a better way for them all to survive. And the grounder's like, yeah, no shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I've been saying bye. Yeah. Um, so elsewhere, Jackson is tending to Abby's wounds. Oh my God. No, you're completely right. Like this grounder is so chill. Like he fully has yeah. a gun to his head and he's like, anyway, <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> so stoic this guy he's, he's so just funny. so straight-faced and like kane's like mm-hmm. we've got to do better and he just looks at him like <laughs> he's like yeah. uh-huh yeah <laughs> um so elsewhere at jackson is tending to abby's wounds when kane shows up and jackson leaves abby asks abby wants to be alone Ooh. They, i mean they have some stuff to talk about um <laughs> abby's abby immediately asks if it worked and kane's like oh, so you knew what I was doing. You knew this wasn't personal. Mm-hmm. And there's just sort of like a respect for her that he's gotten. And like, it's f***ed up that he had to get it the way that he got it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. do like that at this point now, he's like, okay, you are smarter than me. Um, I'm going to go earn being in your presence because uh, I feel so terrible about what I just did. I have to tell you what I thought of when I saw this scene. Um, So Abby says something about like, I broke the rules, but I would break the rules like a million times if it meant bringing back the kids or like whatever mm-hmm. I think she says, right? Yeah. Except it has the energy of, I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all I could think of. Is she like, okay, fine, I got shocklashed, but I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. So I don't care. Honestly, yes. And I love that. Uh, She also like, (laughs) it makes me laugh so much when she like tries to leave and she's just sort of like hobbling away because she's wounded. Yeah. And in my head, she's also like, also, Kane, I'm really pissed because I don't have a lot of shirts. And now this one is ruined. Right. And now she has to like hand stitch it back together. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. (laughs) That's the part that I'm most upset about, to be honest. Oh, and so he's like, by the way, um, I'm going to leave and go find the kids myself. (laughs) And he's also taking the grounder prisoner with him. And he's like, this is how I'm going to find them. And she's like, you could be immediately led into a trap. And he's like, I know this is really important though. So I have to do it and uh, see where this goes. Yeah. And it's like, wow, meeting the commander, that's not going to like change the entire trajectory of the show or anything. Weird. (laughs) Crazy. And she offers to come with him and he says, no, he needs her to stay behind because he needs her to be chancellor. And And then he says, he says, I need you to be more than that. Yeah. And Abby is like, your girlfriend? And he's like, (laughs) oh no, sorry, the chancellor. Yeah. (laughs) It's very good. And it's, I... I love that, like, they sort of bargain for getting what they want out of the other person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just, I just like the way that they communicate. I think it's very indicative. It's good stuff. Yeah. This is absolutely my favorite storyline of this, of the show. Or, yeah. Of the show. Of the, uh, <laughs> of the episode, for sure. Yeah. Um, she accepts and sees him off in his mission. And Abby becomes yeah. the best chancellor we ever had with the 100. Yeah. And I stand by that. You can. And he, I think it's funny because originally I thought that he must like wave goodbye to her but then when i rewatched it i was like oh no he's just looking goodbye he yeah just looks goodbye and turns around the only other thing was that he leaves with the prisoner and like one singular guard and yeah. i'm like oh that guy's dead for sure <laughs> he's not getting if any if anyone's a red shirt it's that guy for sure <laughs> yeah but i'm excited for him to go and meet the chancellor oh yeah i think I remember that part being so iconic when he meets, or like when he gets thrown into that like the pit pit with Thelonious, and then Jaha's like, "Sup?" And it's like, "Oh, what?" Yeah, he's like, "What, Thelonious? You're here?" But also, I remember being like Ian uh, Ian Cusick being put in a in a, in a, in a hole in the ground hatch. Huh? Feels like a reference, but okay. I can't. I just can't think of what it's to. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> Well, you guys, that's the episode. Yeah. <laughs> that is it. Let's go into segments. Uh, my first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, uh, or a favorite line award. And mine, of course, has to go to Murphy and Bellamy for... Yeah, do I get a gun now? Something like that. <laughs> Classic. So good. And my favorite line award goes to Kane for... I know she's your friend. Sarah, she's not but... just my friend. Ooh. She's the love of my life. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then my segment is what is Sam shipping the most? And obviously it's Cabby if you didn't listen to the first 45 minutes of this <laughs> podcast. Is there anything that you can do a, a secondary for? There are multiple things I can do a, a secondary oh, for, by the way. 
I want to give an honorable mention to Lincoln and Octavia because she's like her mm-hmm. whole purpose this time this episode is finding him and it's been her whole purpose for like a couple episodes and just like that is romantic that is romantic the guttural scream when she still doesn't find him is very mm-hmm. um indicative of feral Octavia which I'm a fan of yeah and I also am going to say that I was re-watching this episode to do my notes and I was like god damn it Anya and Clark should have been <laughs> friends Klanya I don't know what was it called <laughs> I have no idea. I just was like- There definitely was a potential there. I feel like if she had not died in literally the next episode- I have complaints. I feel like that very easily could have been an option for love interest for Clark. But like, obviously they had the the plan to have her fall in love with the leader, which I guess makes more sense. It's fair. I understand why people ship this and I could see Mm -hmm. it have having had, I could have seen it having potential if it didn't immediately get squashed. A prediction for me is that uh, Clark and Anya will be a secondary for you next episode as well. Oh um, yeah, I'm sure. Fight in the girl fight in the mud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel. I just feel like Sam would be interested. That's all. I'm just gonna take the opportunity to ship things that are gay. Yeah. While I can. <laughs> so fair. And then for Robin's Murphy moment, it's going to be Murphy getting all up in uh, Bellamy's face to talk about Finn. Mm -hmm. In I think it's the second last one where he says that, or the second last scene in that storyline where he says that like he must, he's not the craziest one. Now he just gets real close to his face. And so that's the moment. That's it. Good. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Um, And we really appreciate it. If you wrote us a little review on wherever you're listening, (laughs) if possible, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you to our lovely I guess it's just yours friends Uh, um, thank you to uh, my lovely roommates my wife Brittany and Emily who may or may not be home from work yet we don't know (laughs) and thank you to Dilly and thanks to Dilly he just sat over there on that on that chair good for him the whole time (laughs) if you're a fan of Riverdale we like to talk about that show too Um, like I said earlier uh, well I mean clearly we talked about Riverdale multiple (laughs) times this episode so sorry about that but uh, the first six seasons are out and we did an episode for every single episode and the final season is coming out next year and we will be covering that as well um and like i said earlier this podcast will be on hiatus while that's on but you guys don't have to worry about it for a while so don't worry about it you're good <laughs> and uh, if you're a fan of stranger things we like to talk about that show too um it's my favorite of our podcasts to talk on um, we just have a lot of, I feel like it's the most hybrid also of our podcast because, yeah. uh, on the podcast Robin's about to tell you about, we have lots of very big brain thoughts. Um, and on Riverdale and this podcast, we have a lot of goofy, funny thoughts. And on Stranger Things, we have both. <laughs> yeah. So and true. so we've covered seasons one through three and we will be covering season four in the new year, but we do have reaction podcasts to mm-hmm. the first two volumes that came out this month yeah or um and then year i'm sorry yeah <laughs> um so then uh lastly if you're a fan of lost we like to talk about that show too um we have finished season three and we are about to start season four um that's our longest most big brain podcast like sam just said um we have guests over there and it's spoiler free until a spoiler section at the end so if you want to watch along for the first time my god would i be <laughs> honored that would mean the world to me in fact message me so you can tell me all your thoughts i would love to hear from you because it's like one of the best shows of all time. And when she says that, she means it. It's true. You you add years to Robin's life when you watch Lost. It's a proven fact. A hundred percent. One of one of life's great joys is getting to witness other people watch it for the first time. I would I would love that truly. <laughs> uh, you can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. That would be great. Um, our Patreon is Patreon.com/slash/TheAficionados. Um, if you like what we do here, please consider donating. Um, because it is a lot to make them, and um, you get to listen to them for free. So. So um, if you'd like to help us out, that would be great. And if not, check out some of our small businesses. So Brittany, uh, former co-host Brittany, sells lots of cool stuff on Visit Binnyland. Um, I sell uh, embroidery, including lots of the hundred designs at highbirdie.com. And um, our lost co-host Casey sells uh, fandom inspired candles at Lost and Found Candle Co. And all of those will be in the description if you guys want to check them out. If you can't help us on a Patreon or with our small businesses, just recommend us to a friend. That'd be really great, whether it be this podcast or any of the three podcasts that we just mentioned. Go follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. Great. The next episode is episode 204, which is called Mini Happy Returns. Um, like I said, it is going to 
gonna come out sometime mid to late January. I don't have a specific day for you, um, but that uh, that's the goal. So um, happy new year, <laughs> happy holidays, etc. We love you guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And we hope that you are enjoying our coverage of season two so far. Heck yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.